Hey, Three Circle Church, great to have you with us today for the podcast. We are jumping into the book of Revelation right now and a, a series called Seven, the Seven Churches of Revelation. And what we've tried to do is we've tried to pull some of the mystery uh, out of this. It can be a very intimidating book, and a lot of people think it's about lions with horns coming out of the ocean and dragons and who's the Antichrist and when is Jesus going to return and all those things are fun to talk about. But I think we miss the point of the book of Revelation when we focus on on those things. Today on the podcast, I have uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only, my dear friend, Pastor Russell Creel, one of the teaching pastors at Three Circle, one of the resident theologians here, and the campus pastor for the Fairhope campus. So, Pastor Russell, welcome to the podcast. Well, I appreciate the invitation. Yes, sir. So, I uh, thought it'd be perfect to kick the whole podcast off with you, with this series. We jumped into it this past Sunday, and most of the listeners hopefully have heard the the message. Uh, and we just started in Revelation once. So we're doing a we're, we turned a seven series into eight weeks because we felt like we needed the introduction. So, Pastor Russell, you and I kind of grew up with very similar backgrounds, at least religiously, yeah. theologically. So, historically, what do you think people normally think? What do you normally think when you think the book of Revelation? Well, yeah, I, I grew up in church. Right. So I've been in church my entire life. And uh, early on, uh, Revelation was strictly about trying to figure out Number one, when Christ was going to return, right, uh, and then what was going to happen during the tribulation, during tribulation. and what were those horrible things that people yes. are going to face, and right. and then eventual second, you know, the second coming of Christ, uh, and that was pretty much all they talked about. Because mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm 66, soon to be 67, so my grandparents were Depression, okay, uh, you know, children, you know, they right. grew up in the Depression, uh, and so. Those following them, those post-depression individuals, I think their mindset was such that there was nothing in this world that had any appeal to them because mm. they had suffered so much. So their concentration really was on when are we getting out of here? Wow. And so I remember sermon after sermon about the rapture, sermon after sermon about leaving here. I remember the songs we sang. Mm. They were all about this weary land, this yeah. dreary I'll world. fly away, that kind of stuff. Oh, right? yeah, and about how we're going to get out of here. And so the whole emphasis just seemed to be whenever you got into anything prophetic, anything in the book of Revelation was always about trying to figure out, okay, how close are we to the coming of Christ? Mm-hmm. Because that's the most important thing during that time. Wow, that is, that is such an interesting take that uh, basically what you're saying is, Potentially, the context that they were in drove the way they were interpreting things yeah. that they were oh, reading, yeah. right? Yeah. So how do you see that change now uh, in our modern culture? What do, do you think that maybe the fact that there is a lot of opulence and a lot of success and all of that, that maybe people go, I don't, I don't know if I want to get out of here? Yeah. Oh, I think so. I think that now we're we're very comfortable where we are. Okay. You know, we we didn't come out of a time of depression where yeah. we had nothing. Now we have just about anything we want, and so I think there's less of a focus uh, on um, second coming. You know, going to heaven. You know, mm-hmm. end time type stuff. I right. think we that becomes secondary. I think there is a part of the church now, though, that still has a you know pretty strong emphasis on the prophetic. Yeah. And so they still dig in pretty deeply, right. you know, into those things. Which so, is totally fine. Oh, it is. It's, yes. it's great. It's there for us. Yeah. And, you know, and, and again, there, there are people a whole lot smarter than me that probably do have a 
better grasp yeah. on some of the things in sure. Revelation, you know. But I think again, by looking, trying to figure out all these minute details mm-hmm. about what is this symbol, what is that symbol, right. what does that represent, who does that represent, that as you said Sunday, we sort of mix miss the big idea. Yeah. You know, what is Revelation telling right. us? What's the big idea that we can all take from it, you know, regardless right. of how much we may have studied it. And we said this Sunday that that the main thing, and and of course it's the Sunday school answer, but there's a lot of truth, that Revelation is about Jesus. Oh, yeah. What do you think, Pastor Russ, uh, what do you think having that as an anchor when you're reading this book, how do you think that keeps you from floating the ship of interpretation too far out into the prophetic edges? It kind of keeps you in the middle of the channel. How do you think that that holding on to Jesus tightly when you're reading this book will actually help you interpret it more accurately and see what God wants you to see in it? Well, I think it's like any type of study. You know, you 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 begin with a foundational thesis. You know, this is this is what this book is going to tell me. Well, if your if your thesis then is about all the the symbolism and all that, well, then that's what drives your way of looking at. But if you start from the foundational principle that this really is the story of Jesus Christ, right. this is the story of who He is. That we've seen Him mm-hmm. as the infant. We've seen Him as the lamb slain, right. we've seen him as the risen Christ, right. but now we get to see him as that glorified Christ yes. in the fullness of his glory, in the fullness of his authority. Mm. And when you see it then through that, that's what you read through all of that stuff. That's is right. that, that this is really about you know who Jesus is and, yeah. and, then, and then our security in that. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to worry a whole lot about what's going to happen next because yeah. we know who Christ is and, and we know him. I, yeah. Because I, I think that, you know, he, he starts out, as you pointed out, you know, this is who Christ is, but he repeats that, you know, at other times. I think once he gets through writing the letters, you know, in Revelation 4, right. he says that he looked and saw a door and he heard that same voice yeah. saying, come up here. And then he makes this statement. He says, I want to show you the things that shall be after this. Mm. And then the first thing he sees is there's a throne and one sitting on the throne. And wow. he gets this whole glorified view then of who God is. Right. And what that was telling him was the throne's not abdicated. Yeah. There is one on the throne, which means regardless of your circumstance, that heaven's still in control. God's yeah. still in control. And That's he right. will remain in control. Uh, that he's calling it's the good. shots, you know, because you look at you look at John's uh, circumstance, earthly mm-hmm. circumstance. They, they were not good. No, the church is being persecuted. You know, thousands are dying. Right. When uh, he dies, by the way, they're still under persecution. Oh, they are, and and his contemporaries are gone. Most of them are dead. Yeah. Uh, the emperor has set himself up as a god. That's right. And there's emperor worship, and he's exiled to him. Peter's been crucified. Paul's been beheaded. It's just John hanging out now. Yeah, and so he's exiled to an island. So everything in the flesh says, well, this thing yeah. called Christianity, this experiment right. Right. is has totally failed. Mm-hmm. You know, And this is what you have left. Then all of a sudden he steps up into this realm and he sees God sitting on a throne. And it's telling him, I'm about to tell you what shall be. I love it. So he's in control. That and that's the message through the whole story yeah. is that I may not get all the detail, but what I do know from beginning to end of yes. that is it God's in control of this, right. you know? So I find it, and I've always found John's description of Jesus here in Revelation so fascinating, so powerful. And, it, and it, you know, I, I think 
for me, I look and I see the parallel to the Mount of Transfiguration. Sure. So this isn't the first time John saw this, but I think this is the first time he looked intently and and described it for us. And, it, and it's interesting to me that Jesus told him to not tell anyone about the, tra- the Mount of Transfiguration, right? right? And this right. time he says, tell everybody. So w- what do you think when you read that description of Jesus and, and how do you how do you play it in your mind? You know, he's flaming eyes and, and bronze feet and golden sash and a sword coming out of his mouth. Of course, there's a lot of symbolism there. Sure. Uh, but what what do you see when you see this picture of Christ that John gives us? Well, I think, number one, you realize that to describe him in his glorified mm-hmm. uh, state is really impossible. Yeah. So John is using— He's kind of tripping on his words a little, he is, right? He's using, he's using the only words that he knows mm-hmm. to— to describe to human beings what he is seeing in this, so that you know that just helps me to understand you know to, it, again even though I don't fully I can't fully imagine it uh, that he is just so much above hmm. even who where how we estimate him to be right. you know he's above that yeah and and, and the fact how you know in, again been in church all my life you hear people always would say. Well, when I see Jesus, the first thing I'm going to do, yeah, I'm going to run up to him and hug him, and I'm going right. to ask him about this. But then you look at what John did, and look all through Scripture. What did people do when they saw him? Mm-hmm. You know, saw him. Mounds of transfiguration, even in the Old Testament, where people got oh, a yeah. glimpse of him. First thing it did is fall on their face, right? You know, so uh, again, I think, I think Joshua saw him outside the walls of Jericho. You remember that? And yeah, and it's just the it's awe. It, I, I just again, I just don't think we can comprehend. Yeah, you know what he looks in all of his rage. But John gave it a rate. shot. He did. He used the language that he had. Yeah, you know, he used the, right. the terms that he knew, and uh, and described. I mean, a, a voice like a trumpet. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, I, I don't think. I don't know that we would use that terminology. Right. Now, we might use a different term, but yeah. to him, that's what it sounded like. Yeah. Authoritative. Uh, piercing. Yeah, piercing. Right. Commanding. And then he switches it to rushing water. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. he's like, it's also kind of like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very moving, a, a very powerful scene. I, I also think it's uh, very, very powerful. He describes uh, Jesus for us. He he says a few things about him. He says, this is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth. Those three things uh, are pretty powerful. What do you think, Pastor Russ, he meant by faithful witness? Jesus well, is the faithful witness. Well, I think he, he is the only complete and true representation of the Father. Right. I mean, you know, he, that's who he was. He's the he, God we see. He was the God we see. He, he was the fullness of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he said he's the faithful witness. Mm. All those who in the past may have been called, yeah. you know, to be a prophet of God, you know, and, yeah. and to represent God. They weren't necessarily truly faithful. And they were imperfect. They, they were imperfect, so they did the best of their ability. But then he comes along and he he is the he is the fullness of that. Mm-hmm. So he he becomes he becomes who God is and we get to yeah. see God in him and know that's God. Love it. I also think when I see faithful witness, even what you're saying there, I think about all the human idols that have been made when people have made a 
you know, we're going to study Ephesus next week, and they had the the one of the wonders of the world, the statue they built for Artemis, this sure. false god. And all the times people, you know, the, the golden calf in the Old Testament, those were meant to be a witness, so to speak, a god. And, of course, they, they were not faithful witnesses. Right. Right. They always fell short. Yeah. So Jesus is the one that says, look at me, you're looking at God. Pretty amazing. Yeah. He then says he is the firstborn from the dead. We're talking the resurrection there, right? right? All right, that he he becomes uh, our understanding of what our future mm-hmm. is. Yeah, you know, because he is the he's the first one. What's unique about his resurrection compared to? Because he's not the only. Jesus isn't the only person that ever raised from the dead. He right. raised people from the dead. A little girl. He mm-hmm. uh, Paul uh, was it Paul or Peter? Some, someone. Uh, well, Paul raised a boy from the mm-hmm. dead that fell out of a window. Uh, so there's some interesting things that happen yeah. there. But this says that, he, that there's something unique about him. He's the for, firstborn from the dead. What do you think that means? Well, because the others that were raised from the dead eventually died mm. again. Yeah, so so they they were raised, but they weren't raised to eternal life in that in that yeah, regard. Right. Uh, when Jesus came out of the grave, he never, didn't have to go back. Never to return. That was it. And so that's the promise we have. Then. That, so they didn't have complete victory over death at that point. No. Jesus totally shattered death. And, right. And uh, and we have this this look of him holding the keys of Hades and death. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible word picture. And and then I love that John t- reminds us. So so to me, before we get into bowls and dragons okay. and antichrist and all that, we get into who he was and then what he's done for us. He says he is the one who loves us, washes us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. I think it's amazing that John, before we get into seeing the wonder and glory of Jesus, he reminds us, this is the one who loved you and died for you. Right. Why do you think that's significant to help us understand this book? Well, again, I think it's it's to, it's to give us a clear understanding. This is that same Christ, mm-hmm. you know, that he may have a different position and appearance now, but it's the same Christ. The, you know, who, who I'm describing is the same one who loved you and who died for you. Yeah. You know, so and John's the only one that saw him die, right? So it's, it, this is not some different right. being. This is not some different God. This is this is that Christ. It's really important to know that. Yeah, but now, you know, yes. in, in in this stage, he's moved beyond the lamb slain. Right. You know, he's moved he, in a way. He's moved beyond meek and humble. He's still a yeah. human, though, right? He oh yeah, forever human. Yeah, just glorified, glorified. Yeah. And all of his glory is, is just yeah. amazing. Um, and then he reminds us in verse 7 something that I know you and I grew up singing about and, and looking forward to. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Yeah. Oh, and it's yeah. interesting in Christendom, right? And even uh, among orthodoxy, am- among people who love the Bible and love the gospel, there's some differing opinions on this. Uh, that Some would say that there is not going to be a rapture. There's going to be a rapture. Uh, uh, there's just going to be the second coming and then the return of Jesus. And then there's some that say there's two events that they see described here. And I think in Thessalonians, most mm-hmm. dramatically, that, that the church is caught up into the air and then will be the second coming. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Where do you land on that? Do you see two events? Do you see one event? Well, again, these are secondary issues. Certainly. Sure, sure. And and again, um, uh, I think if you pin me down to where I lean, um, sort of the terminology I always land on is that it is a singular advent mm-hmm. that has two events. Oh, I like that. Okay, the coming of Christ is is a singular advent 
but there will be two phases of it. That's where I land, that there mm. will be a rapture, okay. and then there will be the second coming to earth where he'll establish his kingdom. Yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm going to use that. And, and <laughs> well, I I'll stole give it you, from somebody I'll give else. I'll you credit a few times. <laughs> I really do like that. And then we talked about, we made a big point of this Sunday. We talked about verse 8. I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And alpha and omega are the letters, the first and last letters of the Greek yeah. alphabet. And uh, just talk to us a little bit about what that, I thought it was interesting that in the middle of the book of Revelation, Jesus is talking about an alphabet here. Why? What was he trying to get us to understand there? Yeah. Well, I, I think the way you explained it was great. You know that that when Thanks. you take the alphabet, uh, you can communicate all knowledge through the use of those letters. Yeah. Which is stunning, right? It when is. You think about you it. You know. You know. All knowledge can be communicated, regardless of what your language is. Right. You can communicate all knowledge, and just by saying he's the Alpha Omega, you know, he he's the totality of all wisdom, all yeah. knowledge, all understanding. Uh, all he there. is all of it. Right. You know, is there? There's not any wisdom outside of him. There's mm-hmm. not any knowledge outside of him. Yes. You know, when we think we're, you know, we're we're all that smart, and we come up with all these new things, and the reality right. is that Nothing that's new. not new. Yeah. You know, that's not new. So he's speaking about his omniscience here. Yes. I know everything. That's what Jesus oh, yeah. is saying there. Yeah. Which is uh, pretty pretty amazing, and and just to think that um, he he's making this power statement. It reminded me. It kind of harkened me back to statements like when he said to Martha, "I'm the resurrection and the life." He says to the disciples once, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life." It's 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 like Jesus is saying, "I am everything you need." Right. You know, I am complete here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the I'm I'm the fulfillment and the fullness of all these things. Right. Uh, so then we, th- this is very interesting. I have never started studying the, the book of Revelation like this, the way we're doing right now at Three Circle, because always to me, people blew through chapter one. Sure. It's like, okay, bop, 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 bop. Okay, let's get to the fun stuff. Right. And to me, this is the anchor for the book, yeah. this stuff we're talking about right here. But it's interesting that that he he tells John, you know, John looks at him and sees him, and he sees Jesus standing among seven lampstands. And we're going to find out in a few verses, right, that those seven lampstands represent these churches in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and they're real churches. But we would say that they represent all churches and actually all people. Why do you think we can make that jump? Why do you think, uh, as we interpret the Scriptures, that we are in very good, solid ground to say these seven churches represent three circle and those individuals in three circle as much as it did Church of Ephesus, Smyrna, and all that? Well, uh, in part, I, I think you have to you know step back to it and, and say that you know that there are individuals you know from a study of uh, of Revelation who would say they don't represent all Christians. Well, that's true. They don't true. represent all churches. That those are dispensations. Those, rep- those represent right. periods of time in the history of the church. Yes, and. Um, and, and and that's fine, you know. That yes. they, you know that they secondary you know, issue. Yeah, that they see that, and, and and that's okay. It's fine for people to be wrong. Yeah, I'm just but, kidding. That yeah, that's true. <laughs> but but at the same time, if we if we felt that those churches don't have any representation for us, then as we read the history in as we read history in Acts, and we start reading about those churches. And the things that Paul writes to those churches and community, then we could always say, then, well, that's not us. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't apply yeah, to us. That right. was that church. Right. And so I think that all through the New Testament, all those things represent, sure, that local church that was being written to, but at the same time, it represents all churches and all believers. Yeah. We can all gain something from that. Yes. So I think the same thing is true of the letters. It, in a way, it's like Paul writing to the churches. Right. You know, now, 
Jesus is writing to the churches. So true. So what we write, understand Corinthians is for us too. Sure. Thessalonians is for us too. Right. So yeah. as he writes to these churches, right. well, he's writing to us as well. That's a really good connection there. So the thing, we're going to start this next week talking about the individual churches. We're going to start with the Church of Ephesus. We're going to go right down the line. But I think it's a very powerful and it'd be a good place for us to land the plane today talking about where John sees Jesus. He looks up and Jesus is standing in the middle of those lampstands. And I think there's a lot of, um, and I think it was meant to be symbolic for us, for him to go look. I am with the church. I am walking among these lampstands. As a as a person who has spent your life serving churches, building churches, planting churches, and shepherding churches, Pastor Russ, you you love the local church. Yeah. What does it do for you? And John did. John was sure. a pastor and loved the church. What do you think it did for him? What does it do for you when Jesus says, "I am with my church. I'm in these lampstands." Yeah. Well, I I think you know t- today you know culturally uh, in the modern church. You can get a lot of negative talk, you know, about the future of the church. True. You know, you, you know that the church is dying. You know, if not dead. Right. Uh, you know, you know it, it's a uh, irrelevant. Uh, yeah, it's irrelevant. It's a you know, it, it's you know, it's it's like the dinosaurs. You know, it's it's just going to be extinct. Secularism is taking over. Right. And then you read this, you know, and all of a sudden you stop and say, well, that can't be because mm-hmm. Jesus is still with his church. Yeah. You know, That's and good. and you fall back on the promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Right. Well, why not? Because Jesus is with the church. That's <laughs> so good. You know, so yeah. there's no way. Right. So for John and for us, we don't we're not facing the kind of persecution he did at least in our context, but there right. are people in the world that are. Sure. Uh, but I do think the ground is shifting underneath us and it does get us a little concerned at times. But we do have this view of Revelation that says Jesus loves his church. He's not going to leave the church. He's not right. going to abandon the church. No. And I'm so thankful for that. And what we're going to find is, is not only is he with us, but he is active among us. Like he is going to correct us. Right. He's going to encourage us. All of those things are about to happen for the next seven weeks reading these letters. And uh, I'm excited about it. In closing, Pastor Russ, what would you say? Because probably most of the people listening are a part of Three Circle. What are you hoping through the next seven weeks of studying these churches, what are you hoping that God does in and through us here at Three Circle? Well, I hope that you know when people come, they come, you know, with an open mind, you know, and uh, and with a with a spirit that's sensitive to hear what Jesus is wanting to say to them. Because again, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people on Sunday, and what Jesus may speak to one, He may speak differently to someone else. So, so I think there's a message in all of these churches where, again, we can look at it from a standpoint of what does this say about three-circle church? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's important you know, for us to see. But then, as you said, churches are made up of the people of the church. So right. what is God saying to us? So I hope people are uh, willing to let God speak yeah. through this and, and, and let the words of Jesus you know, through Paul uh, or through John uh, you know, speak to us, you know, yeah. where we are right now, you know, whatever we may be facing that, and, and wherever we are in our, in our journey with him, our mm-hmm. walk with him mm-hmm. to be willing to accept the, the discipline, the correction, yeah. you know, uh, be willing to, uh, to accept the encouragement because mm-hmm. maybe they're going through a difficult time. Yeah. You know, so I, I just hope they're, they're open to it, that, that they don't come just from a standpoint of, uh, seeking information. Yeah. 
You know, sure. it's where I can say, well, I know more about Revelation right. than I ever had before. I just hope they come to allow it to speak to them in their lives. Yeah, I love that one of our values here that we talk about a lot is we don't want to just uh, give information. We want transformation. Right. And we believe that's the purpose of the Bible, not just to give us info, but to give us transformation. Right. So that's what we're hoping for. Pastor Russ, thanks, as always, for sharing your wisdom with us and for your faithful leadership here at Three Circle. We appreciate you, man. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Three Circle, we are glad you joined us today for the podcast. Be here every week for the seven series. You're not going to want to miss one of those. Uh and be a part of this place. And again, as always, we hope that Three Circle Church will be a place that you can call home.